The History For most of human history, the Earth was a place of singular or unified meaning. It consisted of common experiences which felt equivalent to all humankind. Due to our mostly unconscious nature, there was little or no ability to question what was given to us, and we instead understood experience in the same or similar way as others. Groups of people were instructed to go along with common rules and ways of life, as this was all that they knew or could know. Life was simple and straightforward, and it was easy to go your whole life without the need to search for anything outside of what you had been provided. Consciousness had not yet been split up, or was doing so very slowly, and most people saw the world in exactly the same way. But as time marched on, and people became less unconscious, they in turn became less willing to go along with the group, to go along with what had been given. This aligned with the expanding intensification or individualization of consciousness. With this shift, meaning and purpose started to become more distinct and personal, no longer unified and singular. What the world was, or could be, started to become scattered into separate pieces and fragments. Individuals started to create upheavals, challenge authorities, go against what had been given. Some individuals began leading groups of people towards other options different possibilities. Meaning began to explode and become a central pursuit in life for many. As consciousness has expanded, individuals have tried to leave behind the unconscious programming that they originally possessed, leading to more individual forms of meaning and purpose being created and exampled as models for other people to follow. The present. One could argue that we have reached an apex point in our history regarding the creation of purpose and meaning. Due to the spread of information and technology, every person is realizing the ability to create their own purpose or meaning in life. Each person has the ability to create their own understanding of what life is, why life is important, what they are supposed to do with their time on earth. There are no constraints involved any longer, there are no rules to this game. It is an apex point come upon primarily by way of artistic achievements, particularly throughout the past three to four centuries. The prior expression of the objective given and material world has transformed into expression of the subjective created and internal world. It is a change from individuals no longer being bound by the constraints of collective meaning and instead finding in themselves and expressing through their artwork individualistic meaning. Over time, more and more people have become artists in different ways. Even art itself is being redefined and we're seeing how anything can be a type of art, how all internal expression can be artwork. The forms of art have exploded and it seems that there are countless and numerous ways to create aesthetic experiences in order to express oneself. There is no limit to this type of activity and one finds that they always have the chance to put out what is lying dormant within. It is part of the ongoing transition from being told what is the truth to the creation of new truths and realities. So why are we at an apex point? Why have we reached a culmination in individual meaning, a rising point in this explosion of individual consciousness? For one, let us consider how there seems to be no cap to individual meaning and purpose, that this type of operation can go on ad finitum until the end of time. Perhaps one's purpose is to create the most perfectly heart-shaped boxes, 
or what if my meaning consists in my ability to sleep as much as possible? The everlasting creation of meaning veers towards the point of the absurd. At a place in which there seems to be no end in sight, our consciousness does one of the things it does best and loses track of its position and fails to see the long downward slope which is approaching. We have been ascending the first track of the roller coaster for some time now. Meanwhile, forgetting about the eventual slope we must descend. We can only focus on the need for meaning while ignoring the ways it is slowly destroying us. Prior to this apex arriving, consciousness had started to become aware of its own shortcomings and seeing how much of meaning and purpose are arbitrary aspects of life. People like Alan Watts, Terence McKenna, and Joseph Campbell have shared this realization with us in the last 75 years. They notice that meaning and purpose have nothing to do with what is true or actual or valid, and that instead it is all ephemeral. Meaning coming out of thin air, a magical construction of our brain and heart. They notice that just because a thing has meaning to you does not indicate that your meaning is right or wrong. It is not necessarily accurate or important to the outside world in any way. The individualization and particularization of consciousness has been like a runaway train, one that is bound to include huge blind spots in the peripheral views. We come to a place in history in which, through the persistent development of consciousness and the meaning that has been created along with it, we are unable to see the back of our heads. Consciousness has a way of seeing what it wants to see and holding this vision as accepted and valid due to its nature of limiting itself to current awareness. It's an organ which has great difficulty seeing outside of itself, of trying to perceive any weak spots that emerge. Could this be related to the way that our ego often becomes identified with consciousness, where we begin to see ourselves as consciousness itself, unable to find an escape? The Issue The crutch that lies beneath the meaning explosion in the current day and age is a wholesale distribution of meaning and purpose throughout the world. One could argue that the central aspect of experience today is the attempt to make other people buy what has become meaningful, meaning which is being sold through material and idea form. So how are people buying into meaning and purpose? Primarily through actual monetary purchase. The amount of money or capital a person possesses has come to be a validation of their meaning or purpose. If people pay me money, if people are buying into what I have to do or say, then that means that I am correct and my meaning is valid. I've become successful through the sale of my ideas, through the sale of my meaning that I have bought into and others have in turn bought themselves. The amount I make equates to my correctness, that I must be onto something, that I must have access to some great truth. Social media greatly aids this process through the emphasis of followers, likes, etc. On these platforms, when more people approve of what I am doing through likes and comments of support, I am then approved of in terms of my meaning. My meaning is correct and my existence has been validated. Large companies are also at the forefront of the exploitation of personal meaning. They have come to know that every demographic, every interest, every particular thing is being catered to and marketed towards. The businesses say, tell us your meaning, we have something for that. We will make you feel as if you are on the right track. 
It's as if we are all trying to get others to buy into our rightness, our trueness, our beliefs. The only way that they can be true is if other people will say they are. What do I need to do to convince you that this is the way, that this is the correct path to take? It all places us in an insidious double bind, being that the two main routes we can take in life have inevitably poor outcomes. The first option is that you fail to find meaning in your life, but this is not much of an option at all because otherwise you will just flail away and die, suffering tremendously due to this lack of meaning and purpose in your life. We are seeing this within the massive epidemics of homelessness, drug addictions, and obesities which are taking over America. Many have not found any purpose or meaning and are wasting away as a result. But through this discussion, we are also finding that the second option of taking on meaning isn't any better. Because through creating and finding your own meaning, much of your life becomes about trying to convince others or sell to others that which matters to you. Since you have taken on this meaning and purpose, it is part of who you are, part of your identity. And since it's part of who you are, you must put it out there and express it and make sure that other people know about it. We are finding that it is nearly impossible or seemingly impossible to take on meaning and purpose in life without forcing it upon others. We cannot avoid trying to convince other people of it, needing other people to validate the existence of our meaning and purpose. Since you have become identified with your arbitrary meaning, you must sell it and defend it, because this is a way of defending and protecting your existence. It's as if our meaning and in turn our existence only matters if they are seen by other people, and if in turn those people applaud our existence with great enthusiasm. It takes us back to the great analogy, if a tree falls in the forest when no one is around to hear it, does it really make a sound? For most people, the answer would be that there is no sound because no one was around to hear it. It echoes what we have written so far, that your meaning and existence are defined by other people witnessing it. The point. But perhaps we are winding down now and finding our way as we examine the contradictions. Maybe we are finding that the tree can make the sound no matter what, that no one needs to be around to validate or prove that sound. The tree has its own inherent purpose, the sound of it falling being part of that which is valid in and for itself. Consciousness has developed to this point, to this extremely individuated marker in which one either has no purpose or needs to validate and prove the importance of their purpose. Our choices need to have an impact. We need to be doing something important in the world. And if we're not doing something important, then it all becomes a waste and we didn't make anything of our life. We are all pushing to make ourselves known, to show that we matter, to be seen as right and valid, and if we're not doing these things, then it seems as if it didn't matter at all. It's as if the history of modern man and civilization is one of feeling the extreme need to convince or prove to others what is true, what is actual, what is the final say of things. We need to escape the void, escape the non-meaning, we cannot be caught in the nothingness, the vacuum of existence, and so we all convince ourselves and other people of what provides being, and this is the only route possible. The Conclusion But just as we are finding ourselves in a truly hopeless position, 
we come back to the great seers, sages, and mystics of all time. They can be hard to spot because it is easy to look and act like one of these people. You can easily spot a false guru by the effort they expend, trying to persuade people towards the ways they have discovered. On the opposite side, those who seem to have come to a truly enlightened state are the ones who did not need to persuade anyone. They did not need to argue with anyone, to put on a show, or to help you see the light. These individuals were so thoroughly convinced of things within themselves, of how to live their own life, of what was important for them and why they were here, that what you thought of them mattered little. They had uncovered and revealed their own intrinsic nature, and like the tree in the forest, continued to make a sound even when no one was around. They understood the arbitrary aspect of meaning, because they had studied this aspect of consciousness with great intensity. They knew all the loopholes, diversions, and traps that our conscious mind plays on us, and the way that is always trying to keep us within the snare of what consciousness believes. Instead of playing the consciousness game of trying to further their own agendas, stroking their own ego needs, they instead relaxed into their own lifestyle without the need to convince a soul. They knew that their discoveries of the ineffable were not translatable, were not something which could be outwardly explained or sold or pushed upon others. They knew there was no outward way of showing what was occurring within themselves. They knew that they had found something priceless, but convincing others of it would have little to no effect. We see this greatly exemplified in the figure of Alan Watts as he seemed wholly unconcerned with convincing anyone. He was so certain in his notions and ideas and allowed them to be what they were. And although people flocked to his lectures, it actually seemed like he didn't care if anyone listened or was interested at all. He just wanted to do what he was doing for the pure act of doing it. He was just being in the process of the now and leaving the purpose and even the meaning out of the equation. The same rings true for what might be considered the symbolic version of Jesus the one who is most closely associated with the parables. It seems that this man, or this group of men, had the idea that we must avoid convincing anyone of anything. They knew that telling people about God, or to believe in God, mattered as much as dirt. This is why everything they wrote was so symbolic, so allegorical, so coded and secretive. They knew the role the symbol played in each person finding their own reason for living, their own experience of God, a reason which was only important for the individual who held it. The symbolic led each to his own path, whilst that same path might mean nothing for the next man. And if you try to sell that path, or make it validated, or make it possible for another, then it actually diminished the entire worth which was originally created. It's as if the true nature of the thing was altered or vanished when in the appearance of the other person. The need for an external viewer completely changed what the thing had been before it was seen. It's like the double-slit experiment and the way the conscious viewer has a great impact on the trajectory of the phenomenon. It's like a thing's original or intrinsic nature is being altered when it needs to be seen by another, when it needs to be proved or accepted as objectively true. The parables were ways for each person to discover what life meant to themselves and then live with that meaning however they chose. It gave one the freedom to be whatever they were and not need anyone else to tell them if they were living the correct life or not. 
but paradoxically, the masses flocked towards these individuals and sought them out despite the resistance to the validation. It's as if living in their true nature worked like a magnet and attracted crowds, as they all saw the beauty and radiance that shone forth from the true being. These great ones were able to reject the need to convince anyone of anything. It reminds us that the central theme of the Bible is that the kingdom of God is found within. It is never found from without by telling and convincing others what it means to you.